The views expressed in the Stolen Droids podcast are those of the hosts, and not necessarily those of sponsors or affiliates, trekradio.net, or kryptonradio.com. However, we are told that cows agree with us all the time. Cows are great. Hello, and welcome to Stolen Droids podcast, episode number 68. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. He's Honor. And I'm Zook. Uh, welcome to you this, uh, the second week, second week in July, third week in July, when is it? This oh, summer is second flying week. by. <laughs> second we week. are in we the are middle in of July. July. It's hard to believe it's already Comic-Con season. It is, and we're still not there. We <laughs> still don't have a sponsor. Thank you, lack of sponsors. <laughs> you have failed us. No, we, we, we have great sponsors. <laughs> Speaking of sponsors that we do like, that uh, we want to give a shout out to them. That's right. We 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 don't want to lose you. We love you. Trekradio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com. I love the interaction we have with them on various social media too. I know, all of them great guys. Um, we have some feedback. Uh, one of them from last week's show. Um, actually, and it's kind of more of a vague one. Wayne over at Trekmate, uh, who I believe we know is a friend of ours. Uh, Hi guys, I have been listening to you for about two months now, and I'm currently going through your back catalog. At the moment, I am at episode 23. We are We're so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx you owe me a coke. <laughs> Our first few episodes there were really touch and go. We, I'll fully admit that. Uh, so please accept my sincerest apologies for not contacting you sooner. My problem is I listen to pods whilst I work and then totally forget to email. He speaks so properly. This week you discussed the benefits of apps to assisted reading. To assist reading, I can't see this as being anything but a good thing. I have progressively learned to read and coordination skills as well as many other things from various media, whether this be video games, comics, TV, etc. The best way to learn is to engage with the material you are being given. For some people, that is simply having the text in front of you, and for some, having it as a game-style format will work better. The key thing is being able to have a variety of methods available at your disposal. Not everyone learns the same way. And with apps, it can potentially monitor your progression and then adjust its learning curve accordingly. I think pads, and he spells pads with two Ds, very TNG. Because he's a Star Trek fan, yes. Are the way of the future and should be implemented at every school, which I agree. And save on paper and having to buy huge new textbooks or stock textbooks that are 20 years out of date. One other subject I missed a while back was games. My top five is Final Fantasy VII, epic in every sense, completed it six times, and play th- each, each playthrough takes at least 80 to 100 hours. Sonic 2, so revolutionary and addictive it still stands up today. GTA 3, it was the first of a new wave of GTA and revolutionized the series. Yes. Metal Gear Solid, such a great movie feel for the game. And Resident Evil 2, the first real, the first Resi Evil game I played, and still my favorite. Keep up the great work, Wayne. Thank you very much, Wayne. Yes, uh, thank you. And, thank and, you. And he actually has some good points on the uh, on the different learning curves. That's something I hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, unfortunately, it's like we're not there yet. He's absolutely right. Everyone, all, all kids have a different learning curve, and they learn different ways. I would worry that it's not very likely they'll ever make an app that takes that into consideration. No, you'll you'll, you'll most likely have a bundle of different apps, and and each kid will kind of gravitate to their own 
app style based on their own learning style. That would be it, better. It's not going to be like a cut-all for, for, every, for any kid, you know? So. Well, I'm pretty sure a teacher could go ahead and, and probably make a, a command decision on which, which would, app would be better for certain learning curves. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it, it just seems like we're not there yet. I think he's right, though, that the, um, the Reading Rainbow app is, uh, is a good first step. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike from Facebook, this is actually one that was sent in a while ago when we were asking everyone for feedback and no one else bothered. So, Mike, we love you. You're our favorite. <laughs> Mike and Wayne are our favorites, yes. Mike, Wayne, and Ruff. Ruff is up yes. there, too. Um, okay, on on the Facebooks, I noticed the droids wanted their listeners to send them questions for a possible Q&A episode. So here's a question or two from me. Well, four anyway. Haha. Any of you into steampunk? If not, what sort of alternate realities do you imagine? Guys? Uh, isn't steampunk the Euro trash of conventions? No. I don't think so. It, actually, it, I think that was a line <laughs> from the Guild episodes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I, I think Molly Quinn is dressing up as steampunk this year, so it's currently my very favorite. <laughs> there is a new steampunk con starting in Utah this year, but I'm going to miss it because, unfortunately, I have other plans. But I think it's interesting, but it's not one that I've jumped into feet first. So I'd probably be interested in going to a steampunk con. There is actually a steampunk novel on my on my bookshelf that I want to read, but that's about as far as I've really dabbled into it. Yeah, I am amazed me, by some of the steampunk costumes, yeah. Yeah, for me, steampunk... It, it, really amazes me, really interests me. Um, but just like Stark, I haven't gotten into it yet. Um, and if if anyone has any suggestions of where to start, I would definitely uh, really be interested in that. Um, but Just my, get, just get current, yourself a pith helmet and hot glue some gears <laughs> to it. My, my Actually, current uh, alternate reality that I'm into right now is, is I love zombie movies and uh, stuff. I don't know if that, you can consider that alternate reality. No. Or, or we're talking like like actual alternate reality where we go and experience something. So. I think alternate reality meaning Earth, but like mirror, mirror wise, or something like that, or something. Something is, is different. It, yeah, something's happening on Earth. I see what you're saying. Um, I personally like steampunk, but I like it in smaller amounts. You know, some people go way out there, and they're their costumes are incredible and it actually makes sense you know and I think other people get into it and it's like well what are you I'm an adventurer okay adventurer why do you have gears running your head that doesn't make any sense (laughs) you know versus I'm an adventurer and I have this really high tech rifle that's made to look like steampunk well that kind of makes sense you know Um, but everything is better with gears well, I do like how if you take something that's already existing and then you steampunk it, like the steampunk Ghostbusters backpack oh, that was or the awesome. steampunk uh, Star Trek costumes that we've seen, mm-hmm. th- those are you know those are taking a theme and then you're then you're doing a variation of the theme and those have been really good. Those My biggest incredible. problem with costuming is I just don't have time to put all the <laughs> stuff together. Ironically, he, the guy saying this is the guy, only person of the four of us who has costumes. <laughs> Okay, costumes other people have made. <laughs> Fair enough. Sounds exhausting. That, that's why I, I kind of took the the uh, the route of you know I thought he was talking about steampunk as in literature or movies or 
I think it's kind of everything. Yeah. Personally, my favorite kind of alternate realities, I split amongst two. I have two. I prefer the cyberpunk. Um, yeah. Kind yeah. of like Shadowrun and whatnot. I also like, and I know this is a bit of a cop-out, and it's not necessarily an alternate reality, or maybe it is, I kind of like the Stargate style of, of sci-fi or technology, where it's, it's modern day, it's a relatable world. <laughs> However, there's secrets... You know, you could almost say even Hellboy-ish, you know, or Men in Black, the secret, uh, secret behind-the-scenes government agency where we actually have a lot more technology or a lot more understanding than everyone else knows, and there's a whole other world going on. I like that. I, I, I would have to agree on those. And, uh, and, and you mentioned Shadowrun earlier. T- earlier today I saw on Facebook uh, one of the... He wasn't an author. He was one of the proofreaders for one of the, one of the new Shadowrun books. Was, uh, he posted the cover for it today. Yeah. Um, okay. Next yeah. question. Oh, I never, I never got to say. Who said that? <laughs> just, just skip right over. We can't, me. We can't hear you, Zunner. We assumed you were muted. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, I, I, steampunk. I, I can take it or leave it. Like you guys said, um, some of the stuff's really cool. Some of it's too much. Um, over, overdone makes no sense. But the exact quote is. Um, they they referred to steampunk as the Euro trash of nerddom in season five of the guild. So <laughs> you know, and we want to stress that any geek interest that's done really well, we can appreciate. Yes, you know, yeah. There's 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 a lot of it. Like you know, you brought up the the um, proton pack and whatnot. I think a lot of that's really really cool. But some of it, you know, I just I could do without. All right, next question. What got I like you, zombies. What got you into the t- interested in the tech world? Wow. That goes it, way back. It's something I can um, put my hands on and something I can experience. Which is also I mean, why we got into girls. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, like uh, you ever put your hands on those. Bump, bump, yeah. <laughs> got slapped a few times. Also um, started very young. <laughs> Tech and uh, girls, something that all geeks well, want. <laughs> for me, it's actually video games that got me interested. I mean, as a kid, I played video games like crazy. I remember going over to my dad's house, because my parents are divorced, and uh, I'd go over to his house, and he had a computer, and we'd put the five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy in, and we'd play kung fu or, you know, whatever on, on the computer, and I I just loved it, and, you know, ever since then... It, computers have been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember having somebody. Somebody actually turned to me and called me a cyber pagan as, as, a, as, a, as an attempt at insulting, and I actually loved it so much I grabbed it and ran with it. So, yeah, yeah, for me, uh, started with my dad. Uh, he he's an engineer, and he always tried to stay up with the latest technology. When I was four years old, he brought home an Apple IIe computer, uh, and. When he was off at work, I would stay home and play on it. If I if I ran out of games to play, I'd start programming my own. That's kind of where I started in my old tech industry. So, and mine is actually kind of spawned from my answer to the last question. Um, steampunk I can appreciate because it's you know it has the gears, it has the pistons, it has the rods. You can see the technology moving. That's what as a kid I would see like robots like that or sci-fi or. 
and that really got me interested in, in technology. You couldn't give me a toy and not expect me to take it apart immediately to see how all the mechanical link- linkages worked. And to this day, I prefer mechanical-style technology over circuitry, despite the fact that circuitry is obviously so much more efficient and complex. Uh, I can't see it move. Right. Um, so that got me, me into it, as well as the idea of sci-fi of you know, as a kid, you know, the, the hoverboards are real, you know, that, that kind of, that technology might actually exist or might one day exist. So, Where are my flying cars? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we have them now, actually. We are in the future now. Um, the future was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> the question he asked next is just Tumblr. Um, I assume he's asking Zoom if we have Tumblr accounts. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a Tumblr account. I never got into it. I have I, I, what, what do you do on Tumblr? It, it's it's you a, post it's a cross between yeah it's a cross between Twitter and actual blogging so it's it's a way of microblogging but without the limitation of of you know like the Twitter has with text uh, I I kind of found a way to dump all the things that I found interesting on the internet without spamming people on Facebook um, so it's kind of like my middle ground if I found something I found interesting whether it was like um, a gif or a picture or a, a video that's where I would post it and honestly I haven't updated it in a long time um, just got, got kind of tiring to keep up on so I I don't use it I know other people um, I know other people use it. I love the XKCD joke about it you know it used to be that uh, you can make anything awkward by adding, you know, between the sheets or whatnot, and now, this day and age, you can make anything awkward by adding the phrase .tumblr.com to the end of it. Hmm. You know, the, the, the good old your jo- your mom joke, your mom, <laughs> .tumblr.com. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, last question. What programs do you use to create the podcast? And I'll handle this one. We use Skype to communicate with each other. And then I use a program called CallBurner, which allows us to record Skype conversations. We've tried other ones in the past. They don't work all that great. Uh, once it's recorded, and I record at a very high bit rate, probably higher than I need to, but better safe than sorry, uh, I import them into Adobe CS5 Sound Booth and uh, do some post-editing there. It allows us to add in other tracks, do some volume leveling, <laughs> add in heaps where needed. <laughs> Yeah, so he eats out stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I then uh, export it and mix it down to an MP3. Uh, use MP3 tag to add the images and the ID3 tags. FTP it up to our our servers. And that's that. When we are live, which isn't very often, and we're still playing with it, uh, I use a program called Sonar, uh, Sonar FX, And it uh, allows us to have multiple inputs and creates an actual live soundboard right there where I can kind of mix it as it were, just, you know, do volume leveling on the we, fly and level tweaking. We actually had a separate Skype account just for the sound effects where we would stream the sound effects through the Skype account. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, that, that's one of the reasons we still have problems with sound effects, uh, why we did, tend not to use them so much. Uh, but those that's kind of it. Uh, I've been trying out with the new CS6, but they got rid of Sound Booth and it's now uh, Audition. And I hate it. I, I truly, truly hate it. I'll probably have to get used to it anyway. But so, um, thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate Great it. Great questions. Oh, we, we, those were good, those were good questions. We were not prepared for those. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a 
some uh, some uh, what's it called uh, improv right there. Yeah. Well, and I actually kept that secret. Uh, the guys didn't know I was going to put those in there. Uh, on to some funny news, some headlines. Um, I, I, I don't think Stark knows this yet, but I actually got a new job. Uh, really? I haven't started it yet. Um, be doing kind of what I have been doing, but in a different area for uh, a different pay. It's a good move for me overall. However, they did say something kind of sad, uh, which uh, honestly, for a split moment, made me question whether or not I should take the job. They want me to use a BlackBerry. <coughs> Don't! <laughs> now you can try out the stolen droids app. <laughs> I I told Schmitty first, I think, and he's like, "If you're joking, right?" I'm like, "It's a joke, but I'm not the one saying it." <laughs> uh, everyone I have told this to, including my current boss, has immediately started laughing hysterically. Because <laughs> everyone who knows you knows your stance on RIM. <laughs> well, and it's like, you know, I went from a Windows phone, Windows Mobile 6, to an iPhone. I had an iPhone for a while, to Android. And I've pretty much used each of these phones to their fullest, to the point that I'm hacking and tweaking them, no matter what, to get more capability out of it. And I was really looking forward to then trying out Windows Phone 8, and instead, I, it's like I've been going from car to car to car, and now I need to use a unicycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, maybe soon, Rim, when they bite the dust, your company will upgrade to, you know, Android or WP7 or... Two cans and a string. <laughs> <laughs> Stark, you still got that old computer, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> upstairs in the basement. <laughs> Donate it you know, to a good cause. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is poetic justice or not, considering you are one of those who's partly responsible for Rim's downfall. Yeah, this is this is Canadian karma right here. <laughs> All right, doesn't Canadian karma usually have like maple syrup or something on it? No, no. Canadian karma usually like comes in the form of a especially trained mutant assassin group or something. Oh, okay. This is much more subtle. Yeah, usually it looks like Alpha Flight or Weapon X or something. Bare naked ladies singing in the background while you slowly <laughs> die. Feed you macaroni and cheese until you die. I would actually, I would actually, that would actually be a request. Individually wrap sausages. <laughs> if I were about to die, that would actually be a request to have them play me out. They do be call awesome. the screen yellow death, so... <laughs> now, um, to be fair, I, I asked, I'm like, uh, do I have to? Why? Why? He's like, well, we use BlackBerry Messenger. It's the only one that's secure in the way it's secure. And even, even he had to say, we're looking for other alternatives, but we just <laughs> haven't found one yet. So maybe that'll Exchange. be the first thing I do there. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your new job, and uh, yeah. maybe my brother can come up with some suggestions because I think he actually had some suggest. I think he works for a company that actually does some stuff with uh, the BlackBerry style or type that that they call themselves the alternate to the BlackBerry software. So yeah, I, I might have to look him up. Uh, this week, however, in RIM news, our first couple headlines are RIM, which isn't surprising. Uh, this week they had their uh, their earnings call and reporting call. They also had on the call their shareholders. And this was the call where they had to vote to sustain the board members. Surprisingly, no one lost their job. Not surprisingly, 20% of the shareholders abstained from even voting, and those who did only barely voted to let 
the execs keep their job. Were they voting by BlackBerry? <laughs> they might have hit the wrong button. They may have scrolled to the wrong side. Uh, now, They're voting it, by BlackBerry Messenger emoticons. What's really interesting is uh, in the speech, if you, um, if you go and listen to it, you can hear that the CEO, uh, for the first time, is addressing that he is not a complete idiot, uh, that this has been an act, he knows they're in trouble. Because, you know, he's been doing all these speeches that there's nothing wrong, the company's fine, that they're going to synergize, or all some... There's no troops in Iraq! You know, some other so, crap. So what benefit is there to going out and saying, oh, we are doing great, everything's fine, no, nothing to see here, please disperse, and then when they call him on the carpet about it, oh yeah, I was just joking. You know, maybe, maybe he thinks he can fool the rest of us, because we're not shareholders, right? He doesn't really owe anything to us. We can't vote him out, but shareholders can. Maybe he thinks he can fool the PR machine long enough for them to actually get things going. Uh, and one of the reasons I say that he truly does maybe understand what's going on here, back in the day, like a year ago, they talked about licensing out BlackBerry Messenger and Black very enterprise server out to third-party companies, right? And we thought that would be a really good idea. That'd be this. That would save the company. In fact, uh, I wrote a post on that last week. They then came out in November saying, and it was him saying, "No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep it exclusive to us. That'll strengthen our brand." On this call, they flat out told him. They took him to the carpet and said, uh, "So, what plans do you have to turn this around? Because uh, we're not happy. None of us are happy." And he said right there, he made the decision, um, I think we need to reevaluate licensing out our software. So he's flip-flopped back. To, to ah, borrow, he's a politician. To borrow Hannity <laughs> phrase there, which I immediately feel dil- dirty for doing. He also mentioned on this call, and this is our next headline, that um, the new the BlackBerry Messenger will actually start to take video calls. What makes this kind of alarming is that he believes that this will this unique feature will definitely put them heads and shoulders above other instant messaging clients. You know, Skype hasn't had that for years. Uh, Skype, Google Talk, uh, um, yeah, the iPhone does FaceTime, Windows Mobile has Skype, um, Android has Tango, Skype, um, Fringe or Fring or whatever it was. Heck, even Google Plus, Plus. has this. <laughs> Okay. Way to catch no, up to everybody else. No one even uses that. <laughs> so, uh, but what really, uh, to me, this actually says that they don't have BlackBerry 10 at all. Because if you think about it, he's just now announcing, you know, let, let's add that in there. He's saying that BlackBerry 10 is going to come out the beginning of next year, right? So six, seven, eight months. You'll and be rocking a new BlackBerry 10 device. And, <laughs> and he's still throwing out features that they could add to it. I don't think it actually exists. I have an idea. Let's make it so you can talk on this end and listen on this end to a telephone call. Hmm. You know, so, it's like it's like someone... I wonder... The part of me that likes to spout hyperbole like to um, would like to say that there's actually no programmers left at RIM. There's just like, a bunch of PR guys who are going, we don't have anything. Well, what's it's another all just fe- vaporware. Yeah, what's another feature we need? We could say that that's going to come out in BB10. Yeah, we'll add that to the list. <laughs> Video messaging? Sure, why not? <laughs> the software-based NFC? Sure. <laughs> How 
how about a feature where we could actually leave a message for people who don't pick up the phone? Yeah, we could market that. That'll be great. What if we typed in a message that's just words, and then we send just the words to the other phone? <laughs> Is that technically possible? Maybe if we limit the characters, I don't know. <laughs> well, and then there's these birds in a slingshot. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get a whole whoa. ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> Rain it in there. <laughs> All right. Um, into Apple news. Now, um, this has kind of gone back and forth. I don't even know where it stands now, but when I found this uh, headline, Apple has always been recognized as quote-unquote green. All of their manufacturing processes are green. They're good for the planet. Yeah. Uh, Jobs was very big on being environmentally sound. Well, it turns out now they don't have that rating anymore. They're claiming it's because the standards for the rating are obsolete now, and it doesn't actually fit anymore. In truth, it's because their new MacBook Pro Retina displays um no longer fits to the environmental guidelines. And since they're presumably going to try and start rolling out retina displays on all their things, that means that no Apple products are green anymore, as it were. And part of the problem with this is that there are certain governments and cities and universities and the like that if you don't meet certain standards, they won't buy your products. Well, like I don't, the city of San Francisco. I think this is going to be more of kind of a, a vegan hipster requirement that's no longer being met. I, I, I think two things can happen here. It's going to either completely backfire because this is the reason a lot of people buy Mac products is because they're green. It'll either backfire or... Because it's the hip thing to do? Right. Or because since Mac has been so entrenched into this culture, they're not even going to care anymore. Just because it's Mac, they don't care if it's you know gas-guzzling or whatever, and they're going to get by it anyway. Uh, uh, don't worry, Mother Earth. I'll make up for it another way. I'll wear more hemp or take more buses or... I'll I'll sell my I'll sell my Prius. By the way, speaking of green, I, I do have to say I thought this was pretty interesting and, and a good use of Twitter. Uh, Nathan Fillion was driving down the freeway in California today, and he actually saw somebody throw out a bag of what was left over from their fast food lunch onto the freeway. So he pulled up to them, took a picture of them, and tweeted about, "Hey, you know, you shouldn't be throwing garbage on the freeway." <laughs> yeah. You don't want Captain Hammer to come down on you like that. <laughs> Let us not forget what the hammer is. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Beware of the hammer. Here's a show title. Sounds like an episode title. Uh, into News of the Weird. This was first report, maybe not first report, but I first caught on to this um, from a local newspaper, local news station. The U.S. government, more specifically the National Oceanic and Atmosphere Administration, the NOAA, have come out with an official statement after many studies and a lot of serious work done by people who are paid by tax dollars. They have deemed that mermaids are not real. What? That's ridiculous. So, so like, Little Mermaid... That's all a lie. It's evidently fiction. No, no. In the eighties, in the eighties, they caught one and they made a film about it. And Daryl Hannah was in it. The reenactment. Yeah. Now, the whole reason they even had to was because on Animal Planet in late May, they had a show called Mermaids: The Body Found. It was a documentary-style series 
and they had the claim that show that mermaids exist. They had evidence. They had testimonies. They had government scientists supposedly who were giving testimonies that they have found um, corpses and the earliest known depiction of a mermaid, which is in ancient Egypt, that they've always been with us. And so the government felt the need to have to come out and say, "No, they're not." More alarming to me is the fact that the government needs to be spending our tax dollars refuting something from cable shows. It's like cable shows are never wrong. It's like you know that crazy alien guy. We posted a picture about him <laughs> on our Facebook page. The one <laughs> aliens are responsible for everything in human history. It's like, can you imagine? Yeah, it's all well and good for him. He gets his fifteen minutes of fame from History Channel which isn't showing history anymore. Meanwhile, there are actually people out there who believe this, and the government needs to spend money and resources refuting it. That's just ridiculous. The government, I think, should be focusing on things a little bit more pressing. I don't know, like the economy, maybe? Well, see, and not to turn this political, but when I I read this, I put on my Facebook, I'm like, let me get this straight. People are up in a twist about having to... spend taxes on health care for everyone, but we're okay with spending tax dollars on this. Yeah, <laughs> it's absurd. I, I don't think we're okay with it. I think it's one of those things that you don't find out about until the study's already done. And Yeah, I just, I think that a lot of these cable shows are getting to the point now where it's, I think it's sensationalism, you know, that's, that's all it is. You well, know, it's like, it's I like, think you just described the nightly news right there. Sensationalism. That's all television is. Yeah. It's all entertainment. I'm, I'm getting very annoyed that the government feels like it needs to. And, and they may not be wrong. They may actually have to correct people on this. I mean, it's kind of like if, if, if History Channel or Discovery Network or something reputable, quote-unquote reputable, were to release something about the zombie outbreak, that the CDC would have to come out and calm people again to keep them from going into a panic. So, kind of news of the sad, really. Yay, USA. <laughs> I, I get more disappointed in the citizens of this country every day. <laughs> okay, um, also in the government news, I may not be popular for what I'm about to say on this one, but I am perfectly fine with uh, with what this is. A company has developed a type of laser scanner. A laser? A laser. Is it attached to sharks? Sharks, I was going to say. <laughs> no, that would be the not, Defense Department. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the Defense Department. Uh, they're still working on a carrier-based option. But no, uh, <laughs> this one will be used probably, supposedly, just by the TSA. But it's a laser scanner that can actually work at much higher speeds than any other scanner currently employed can handle multiple people and it uses greater distance too. Yeah, at greater distance and it uses a laser field to detect odors on you down to the molecule that they can figure out if you've been firing a gun, what kind of gun, if you've ever hand, if you've handled explosives in the last X amount of time, what you had for breakfast. Well they've already got other scanners that can do that. Not well, yeah, like but this. They, 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 they
scanners already. Well, and there is the wormhole. <laughs> See, not not only, I mean... The government's shutting us down, man. They're they using our tax dollars to shut us down about the mermaids. That do stuff like this, but, but this technology, this jumping technology, will allow them to do without those limited space scanners. You could basically walk straight to your terminal without going through a security checkpoint, this will be able to scan every person in real time in the hallway, just walking through in the hallway, speed. yeah, even people driving into the terminal would, would be able to be scanned and and they'd get accurate data every single time, you wouldn't have to go through checkpoints anymore, there wouldn't be the false negatives there wouldn't be the invasive pat-downs or child groping. The no, the no rubber gloves nor, nor false positives Yeah. <laughs> now now, a lot of people are, and I think rightfully bringing up privacy concerns, because they say you wouldn't even know you've been scanned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let, let's say let's say a hypothetical, let's say I walk through something that has a chemical signature matching that of gunpowder. I have never personally used it, but it's now on the bottom of my shoe. Mm-hmm. And I walk through and the system flags me that he has gunpowder on him. The system isn't wrong but yet I'm innocent. So they bring up some good points, and I can understand where they're coming from. Here's where I may become unpopular. I'm okay with this technology. I'm okay with anything that gets me through the grope line at an airport faster. I'm okay with anything that allows us to go back to the terminal gates to meet loved ones or people who are coming off of planes. Because that's how I grew up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with anything that opens up the airports again and makes us feel secure and doesn't infringe on our lives. Right. So, so you want the invisible security and the like. I mean, it, it, basically, it's all it, it, when you when you mentioned all this. The first thing I thought of is when we don't know there's a camera in the ceiling. Yeah. You know, we don't know there's a camera watching us. Mm-hmm. But there is. How, how's it, how's this any different? Well, the camera that's watching us, we don't know if it's actually catching anything. And it's been proven many times that it's not. Or it's yeah. blurry or... Yeah. Well, and, and this is also no different than, you know, every time we log onto the internet, we're being potentially traced, and we don't even know it. It's... People, you know, they, they go onto the internet and, and they're not tracked at all. Or, or they don't think they're being tracked, and they are. And they don't complain or, about or, it. And then when they, you know, they find out they do... They, they, they walk they out of the home it. with their cell phones on and the GPS enabled, and they're freaked out when they realize that things can track them. <laughs> well, they wonder why Google knows where they are and why they <laughs> tagged it in their picture. Yeah, so I, I've i kind of given up on the idea of privacy anyway. So long as they don't have, like, a camera in my bathroom, in my bedroom. you know, I'm, you know I'm, of. A hand know. where it doesn't belong, you know. Yeah, yeah what? It... It makes sense in an airport <laughs> where dangers like this are it, it need to be caught. It doesn't make sense, you know, in your home, for example. So I, I'm perfectly fine with this in an airport think, or even in grocery stores or malls or whatever. When, when, you know? when we know we're going to walk into, even just to walk into like a like a basketball arena, we're going through a metal detector. Mm-hmm. When we when we're going to the airport, we're going through the metal detectors and and and, and the scans and stuff like that. But if we were to go onto you know a military base for an air show or something like that, we know there's going to be certain levels of security watching us. Uh, you, you walk into your most office buildings, you walk into, and there's security watching you that you may not even know about. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So well, it's it, like it, you mentioned stadiums. It's a perfect one. You know, what's in there? Water. You need to take a drink. I need to be able to see it. Why? Because they don't want you bringing alcohol in. Well, guess what? This system would be able to tell. Mm-hmm. So I personally am okay with this. I understand others may not be. In fact, I want to hear from anyone else who doesn't agree or does agree because it is a valid question, and I'm not saying you're wrong to not agree with it, but I want to hear why. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Let's keep moving here. Um, Def Leppard has Photograph! (laughs) They have found themselves in an interesting predicament here. And I like the way they're handling it. I think it's Um, brilliant. So, so essentially, the long story short is that their, their their record label is basically not giving them the royalties from downloads. If you go and buy an old, an older Def Leppard record from album from, from from Amazon, the band itself is not getting the money from it. And so the the band has said, "Fine, stop producing whatever we've given you." And what they're now doing is they're recreating all of their songs and re-releasing them as 2012 versions and they're getting the money from the downloads on those. This is kind of almost like a Louis C.K. way of doing things if you think about it. The only, way that this is, <laughs> the only way that this is unique is the fact that they are recreating content they already created for someone else. Now, some people have stated that they can hear a difference between the two songs. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a difference, but you know what? I may go rebuy some of these just to support them. Zoner, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you know I, who Def Leppard is? <laughs> Just yeah, making sure I, you're not muted. No, I'm good. Um, no, I think it's brilliant. I, I love what they're doing. You know, they're taking existing laws and they're using them to their advantage to basically screw the record companies. And, and Record for, companies yeah. have been screwing them for the last 30 years. It's time to give it back. And just so we're I mean, all clear, I think all of us are absolutely fine with the idea of screwing over record companies and film companies. <laughs> I mean, we're t- you mentioned C.K. Lewis earlier. C.K. Lewis is making Louis money. C.K.? Or Louis C.K., yeah. He, he's making money. C.K. Lewis would be like uh, the, the Narnia thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's not making anything. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the comedian is basically he's he's making money, and then there's no scalping of his tickets, uh, the, because basically people are like wait a minute, I can actually buy it at a reasonable rate. Wow, let's go do that. So you know what? Good for Def Leppard. I'm hoping other artists start maybe go. Wait a second. You know what? I maybe I want to do this. You go, you one-armed drummer, you. <laughs> you know that everybody only likes to watch Def Leppard videos to see the one-armed drummer drum. It's like, oh, check it out. He's he's hitting that drum. You go, little <laughs> brother. You do it. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. Oh, wait, okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, this kind of blindsided me, but there's news of a new gaming console coming out. Yep, this came out of the left field. I, it's supposed to be hackable, where you can go and buy mobile games of any sort, I guess, and it, put them on your it. TV and... Yeah, it's Android-based. I don't want this. Where did this come <laughs> from? Who thought this was going to be a good idea? Well, they, they're they going to sell it for $100. And, you know, when I, a co-worker gave me this article. He said, hey, look at this. I know you go into the technology stuff. And, and he said, look at this. And I, I looked at it, and I said, you know what? I can see this being a success if it adds one more feature it's missing. 
and it's it's because every game console already plays games. Your PS3, your Xboxes, and your 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 Nintendo stuff. They're already playing games, but what else do they already do as well? Work. They well, they also stream content. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now if, uh, add that to this, and it's under a hundred. It's a hundred bucks. Basically, you've replaced a Roku box. Well, sort of. Um, the guys over at Checkpoint from um brought it up, I think, best. It's like, who wants to buy a mobile app to then scale it up to their 1080p TV, play on a ungainly controller with no support, just so you can then buy add-ons like it's a mobile app still? I don't mm-hmm. really see anyone. Now, Schmitty, um, you use a Google TV appliance, correct? Right. Does it use a, a kernel of Android? It does. It uses um, a branch of Android 2.3, I believe. Okay. So uh, can you play mobile games? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, can you use okay. mobile apps? Yes. Okay. Is it conceivably hackable? Yes. Then what the crap do we need this for? <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be an Android device per se. Um, I mean... From what I know about it, it's an Android-based operating system, and it's not going to necessarily have like access to the Android market. It'll be their own games available through a similar, a similar. You know, whenever an Android device claims that it's not going to be an Android device and it's not going to have access to the Google Play Store, it's just based on the Android kernel. You know what that tells me? It's crap. Yeah, like, and, and <laughs> you I have mean, a good point. I'm probably sounding harsh there, but you look at any like Taiwanese cheap tablet that you can buy for like 150 bucks. That's exactly what they say. It's based on the Android kernel. It's no, not you're, Android. You're absolutely, um, you're absolutely right in 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 say you're justified in saying that. But I I get the idea. I mean, I I've been a proponent of. of stream gaming for a while you know i i subscribe to on live game uh, the gaming console i don't i don't have the gaming console but i, I have played on live games and uh, i i believe that streaming games is not necessarily the way of the future but definitely going to be prominent and i think this is a platform for that i don't i don't know if you'll be it'll be like a traditional game console where you go buy a physical game plop it in and and play it it's it's going to be more web-based stuff. You know, the thing is, though, is I I see this, and I think of a punchline regarding the joke of the Phantom, Infinium Labs Phantom, if you guys remember. It's like, let me get this straight. Every competitor out there beat you to the market and did it better than you could have ever done before they even knew you were a player on the field? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt, mainly because they're trying to do something different. Even though it doesn't seem like they're doing something different, I, I think that there's the potential for... for I, I think it personally, and this is... I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think it's just crap vaporware that uh, they just have misread a market that doesn't need it. It's from a company called Ouya. How can you go wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> Ouya. Ouya. <laughs> a subsidy of Huawei. Maybe they could have. Maybe they could have gotten George George Takei to go ahead and come on. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I feel kind of dirty now. All right. Yeah, I, I feel kind of dirty after listening to you do that. 
<laughs> Indeed. My ears need washed. <laughs> okay, um, last headline. We need to run through this real fast. Evidently, a new type of malware is coming out, uh, affectionately called extortionware. Ransomware. Ransomware. That's even better. This is kind of like where Liam Neeson comes to save you, or, or what is this? That yeah, would be awesome. <laughs> I'll save your computer. <laughs> yeah, we've had extortionware in the past. We've had extortionware for a couple of years, um, where you know they tell you you have viruses on your computer. In order to clean it, you have to pay money. But this is worse. This is this, this is, is much different. A pop up comes up on your screen, and it says, "Oh, we found child porn on your computer, and we have encrypted some of that data." And we'll send it to the police unless you send us three hundred or three thousand euro euros, <laughs> which I don't know was it like like twelve fifty in American money or something, but uh, <laughs> but uh, basically it it's, it 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 tries to extort you. Basically, it it says you need to send it to this specific email address. Now in the article, they've got them blocked out, mm-hmm. so you can't actually see them and stuff. But uh, basically, long story short. Don't go to sites you shouldn't be going to. That's basically how you get some of this stuff. Yeah, most definitely. And the article that we link to has it best. Keep your antivirus and anti-spyware stuff up to date. That's really yep. the best way to do it. Yes. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with our uh, with our talking point. Headlines. Or uh, fast line. Fail. In today's world, it can be hard to find time to spend with a good book. That's where the guys at Open Book Audio can help. Open Book Audio offers a large selection of pre-recorded audiobooks for you to enjoy while driving to work, working out, or any other time you feel like enjoying a good story. Open Book Audio not only has pre-recorded audiobooks, but can also help you record your self-published book as well, giving authors another way to distribute their stories. Their fast, professional service combined with affordable pricing ensure your book is made with the highest quality. So no matter if you're an author or a reader, Open Book Audio has what you need. You can visit them on the web at openbookaudio.com. That's openbookaudio.com. Open Book Audio. Your story out loud. Hello, and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast. Uh, Zook, wait. Um, I can never remember when I can hear the Stolen Droids Podcast. Well, you can start out the week with us on trekradio.net every Monday at noon Eastern Standard. Okay, but what if I miss it on Monday? Well, then you can catch us Tuesday on KryptonRadio.com, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Ooh, and if I miss it then, too? Well, you can always find us on iTunes and play us anytime from your iPod or iPhone. Well, you know I don't own any Apple stuff. Okay, then you can stream us to your Android device from Stitcher.com, on demand whenever you want. Smeg. I don't have any room left on my Android. You can always listen to us at StolenDroids.com. Um, but... You're not <sighs> trying very hard at this, are you? Stole Droids Podcast. It's kind of hard to avoid. We are back and right into our fast lane. It's a short one, too. Uh, scientists have recently conducted a study, and the results would have us believe that Batman can actually manage to fly or glide with his cape and make it uh, a good distance through Goth- Gotham City. However, the landings would be dangerous as he'd be striking the pavement at 50 miles an hour. Um, obviously, they don't realize that he's the eeping Batman, and he's practically indestructible. <laughs> Uh, I can has film festival. Minneapolis can has. 
a uh, film festival decided uh, dedicated oh has dedicated to internet cat uh, oh wow let me start that over a film <laughs> festival dedicated to internet cats is set to start august 30th no matter who wins we've all lost <laughs> wow i really had to start it may not be a planet anymore, but Pluto managed to keep scientists on their toes by collecting more and more moons. The newest has been designated P5 and has been captured by Hubble. Gotta catch them all. P5 looks <laughs> and, like P4. And Firefly will be returning to television this fall. The Science Channel will be airing a documentary looking at the Comic-Con reunion as well as a special behind-the-scenes roundtable interview with the cast where they'll answer many questions they've probably answered for fans before. A lot of people are probably wondering why we're not talking a lot more about Comic-Con, but the day we're recording, it's the first day of the con, so I'm pretty sure next week will probably be our big wrap-up. Yeah. The, the funny thing about Schmitty is if you start him in on bad grammar, he can't recover. <laughs> he can't just suddenly switch right back into English. And during the commercial break, we had a lot of fails going on. <laughs> uh. All right. Okay, into our talking point this week. Um, this one kind of came to me after uh, seeing a... You know how in, in movie theaters now they don't just have trailers for upcoming movies, but they also have kind of ads for what's going to be on TV. And a new series was coming up um, about a haunted apartment building or something. Kind of lame. Uh, hopefully it, it does better. But they started talking about it, and this is uh, where Schmidt and I were in the theater, and I turned to him and I said, you know, something like that would probably work better as a miniseries than as a new TV series. We started thinking about it, and I realized that there's a lot of cases like this. And our, our cousins across the pond, over in Britain, the BBC loves miniseries. Uh, well, yeah, because, so- like, Sherlock was, the first season was three episodes long. The second season was t- three episodes long. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't over here. But I almost think that maybe we as Americans should take another look at them. And I want to kind of talk about this with people because even though we have a tendency to really love our TV and really love our, our, our seasons how many shows could have been made better and why if we had made them into a miniseries instead well, well I, I think it comes to mind for me <laughs> let's all talk at once okay <laughs> <laughs> excellent radio idea <laughs> I think Already. Lost is a good example. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I think Lost is pretty much everyone's good example. And Heroes, maybe. Yeah, Heroes yeah. Heroes just stopped after the first season. Well, let's, let's take a step back and kind of identify what a miniseries brings to the table. What's the benefit of a miniseries over a normal series? You have a definite ending. You're not worried about ratings. You know, basically... Right now, a lot of TV shows, you don't know if the ratings are going to be good by the end of the season. So are you going to get a 10-episode season? Are you going to get a, a 15, a 20? You know, we're not even going to see it. We're, we're never going to see anything more than 22 ever again, unless it's some bloody reality TV show somewhere. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, to be fair, like even shows that seem like they're a staple, uh, Stargate SG-1, in my mind, is a good example of this. Ten seasons. Mm-hmm. Ten seasons, the longest continuous sci-fi U.S.-based show ever. Um, and ten seasons in, they got cut with only like two episodes notice. 
mm-hmm. and they had to repurpose an episode to make it a finale. And they did a good job. It was a good finale. But you'd think that after ten seasons, oh, these guys are kind of safe. But even they aren't safe. With And Stark is absolutely right. With the miniseries, here's the beginning. Here's the end. Here's our budget. And you can maintain a level of consistency, a good level of quality throughout. And not, not just that, but logistically speaking, you, you can have longer episodes... Uh, there, you can have more of a movie-style format. You can spend more money per episode, um, and you're, you can promote the heck out of it. Oh yeah, and, and unlike and unlike regular TV series where you only have a 20-minute block or a 40-minute block, you're not rushing to fit all the content in one episode. Nor are you trying to stretch out an episode that was only meant for 30 minutes instead of 40. You know, it you you have a lot more versatility when you when you're running with a 60 minute or a 90 minute episode. The last time I truly remember actually hearing about a miniseries, and and, and maybe I'm, I might be forgetting a few things, but I remember back in the early 80s, V. Yes, there was there was a miniseries one year. It was like three nights, two or three nights, and then it did so well that they did a second miniseries, about about a year or two later. And then it did so well they tried to move it into a television series, and then that's when it failed. It flopped. Yeah. Well, no, and Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, started mm-hmm. as they a started miniseries. as a miniseries. Well, yeah. That, yep, and that was on cable. But they need to. Ha- I, I think they. Need, I think we need to have these miniseries on. Network television on CBS and ABC and stuff like that. We talk about how we'd love to see Star Trek come back. Miniseries would be a good way to do it without it being too expensive, but with, uh, with it having a lot of good quality. You could have a miniseries set in one section of the universe for one year, and then maybe next year, you know what? Let's go revisit, you know, what Sulu and Excelsior are doing, or let's go see whatever's happening on this side of the universe. This is something that could be easily used by Hollywood and be very cost-effective. Now, okay, well, let's... I, I actually have a theory as to why they don't, though. So, that was my next know. question. Why do we not use it more often, Sonic? They're, they're straight up out of ideas. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. If you well, do a show with the beginning and an end, def, definitive beginning and end, that right there is telling a story. Right now, you look at The Office... The Office, the U.S. version, was pretty good for a few years there. And then it started to jump the shark pretty hard. And then you got Steve Carell leaving, and they're like, oh, well, we need the we need the ratings. People will still watch it regardless of whether it's good or not. And so they keep throwing it out there. And they're just like, I don't know, they have drunk monkeys or something doing it now? Well, no, so- I would actually like to refute that. Here's And here's why. Maybe you're right. Maybe they don't realize this. But... If they use miniseries, they could commit to some of the more outlandish ideas. I, I think you're probably right in that they don't use miniseries, they, but they don't have many good ideas anymore, so they just re- resort to reality programming instead. <laughs> they're, they're milking dead cows is what they're doing. Right, yeah, but if you came to the board and you had this crazy, wacky idea, and the board only had to say, yeah, we'll give you six episodes... You know, that's, well, that's less of an investment for them than to say, I have this wacky, crazy idea that may not work, and I know you guys really want to try and get four seasons out of your next big idea, so you're going to pass on this one, because there's no way it could last four seasons, but it would make an excellent six-episode miniseries. Besides yeah. having the board pass it off and being cheaper, who else also might be able to sign on for more of a miniseries would be higher-caliber actors. 
I mean, Genevieve Bujold was going to be the actress who played uh, Janeway on Voyager, and she was a movie actress. So she bowed out because she didn't realize she didn't she didn't want to deal with episodic television. Maybe had Voyager been a miniseries, maybe she would have stuck around. I don't. I'm not saying I don't. I don't like. Uh, I like the fact where they got Janeway for later. She did an excellent job, Kate Mulgrew. But basically, you could probably get other actors who would probably more do just movies. Well, oh yeah, I'll do, I'll do six episodes of a television series if it's just TV. You know, just six episodes. Yeah. See, every time I hear Janeway, I think of Coneheads. Um, <laughs> she just has that voice, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. Ideas that would have worked better as a miniseries. We've already said Lost. We've already said Heroes. I contend that Firefly would have been an excellent miniseries if we had just had some sense of closure after 14 yeah, episodes. I, that was actually one I was just thinking of as well. It's, um, Jericho, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter if they don't play him in order anyway. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Jericho, you're right. Would have been Jericho, awesome. Jericho, I Jericho think could have been example. really good. Um, yeah, it, you know. The UK, those those people over there, they've got it down. I mean, they treat every... I mean, even like TV shows like the IT crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've done three seasons, four seasons now, I think. Four seasons, yep. But, I mean, they're like eight episodes, six episodes each. They're basically mini-series sitcoms. Well, like uh, Top Gear is almost a mini-series, if you yeah. think about it. It's a documentary style. I mean, but we brought up Sherlock already, and if you have not seen People of the Interweb, if you've not seen Sherlock, go see it. It's amazing. And I think, Schmidt, you pointed out there's only three episodes per season, and each episode is 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's only six episodes total for two it's seasons. It's like you're watching six movies. It's amazing. It's nothing. Yeah, and it's amazing. <laughs> and they're not lacking for popularity because they can rerun them as much as you want. And people are on pins and needles waiting for the next episode. And they're buying them when they come out. Tell me a U.S. series that still has that kind of draw. You know, no Sorry, one. I can't think of any. <laughs> exactly. It's always kind of, well, you know, they'll be back next season or maybe they won't. Yeah. Even well, Chuck, that I really liked, it was canceled, and I didn't really feel any sadness. Burn Notice kind of did that for me. Burn Notice kept me on my toes, and and is back for its sixth season. And but but again, it's not a miniseries. Um, the only reason I can in. the only reason I can see them not doing miniseries is that they get money from syndication, and you have to have a certain number of episodes for syndication. Yeah, that's true. Okay. But with this day and age of, of Netflix streaming. You almost don't need syndication anymore. That's, That's a good true. point. That's a good point. I, I think I, I'll just finish up with this here because we need to get into our favorite Smitty. I think and I'm kind of with you on Burn Notice and White Collar and a lot of the summer shows. And I think the reason being is that the summer shows I think are higher quality because they're they're like miniseries. It's we yeah. only have this many episodes to work with per season, no matter what. So we can put more of our resources to each episode, and then you have that bigger sense of anticipation between seasons. Mm-hmm. It's because each one is almost each season's like a mini series that happens to link to like Falling Skies or, or something like that. But well, anyway. and Falling Skies had what like ten episodes. I mean, that's that's pretty much yeah. a mini series in the first season, and then they, you know, I I agree. I think that's a good point. 
Plus, uh, Michael Weston is like the Batman of burned spies. <laughs> <laughs> Slash MacGyver. Uh, we want to hear what everyone else is. Plus, we know we have a couple UK or former UK uh, listeners. We want to hear what you think, too, because you guys know uh, BBC TV better than we do. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. What are your thoughts on the miniseries? Should we use more of them? Into our favorites. Uh, Ron Perlman is freaking awesome. That's yes. all I need to say. A, uh, a little boy with leukemia made a wish through the Make-A-Wish Foundation that he wanted to meet and be Hellboy. And the Make-A-Wish Foundation got a hold of the people who did the effects for Hellboy and Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman went back into the chair, four hours of makeup, showed up for the kid in character the whole time, ordered hamburgers and fries and sodas, which is Hellboy's favorite food, for just a mountain of them for himself and the kid and the kid's family and just shot the breeze as Hellboy in character the whole time then the kid was able to get into the makeup chair and become a micro version of Hellboy there's a picture of the two of them it's awesome when an actor does something cool like this we really want to point it out so yeah good job all right, uh, my favorite this week is a, uh, it's a riff. Basically, there's a guitar player who's doing a history of rock and roll. It's a 12-minute long video, but he does 100 songs in one continuous riff detailing a history of rock and roll. It's actually pretty cool. Go check out the video. Uh, my favorite is actually the most horrible thing ever. Um, in 1997, CBS did a, a pilot... Uh, hour and a half long or two hour long movie it's actually an hour and 21 minutes with no commercials uh, for Justice League they were trying to get a Justice League series off the ground um, it is horrible in every sense of the word there is nothing redeemable about this um, but I lost it I lost an hour and 21 minutes of my life today and so I recommend you go and you know it Something about karma, or I don't know. You don't want to be the only person who suffers, huh? Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta spread the horror. Your patient zero again. <laughs> <laughs> Outbreak monkey. Okay. No, if you skip to about the eighty-eight minute mark, it's that's when you can see all the all the quote-unquote heroes. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> okay, uh, my favorite um, is a. Uh, Minecraft style parody of Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO. Um, it's really well done. They, they don't use the actual in-game graphics to do it. They, they animate it themselves. But if you're a fan of Minecraft or a fan of uh, LMFAO, you will thoroughly enjoy this video. Even the, the Creeper and the Enderman, they're, they're all dancing to it. It's, it's pretty entertaining, so check it out. Very cool. Well, that is our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, stitcher.com, and openbookaudio.com. We want to know what you hear, what you think. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, write us feedback at stolendroids.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. Technologic.